Oh man, it is so awesome to see your faces or half of your face if you're wearing a mask. Uh, as you might know, might not know, my family, uh, we've been battling COVID for a few weeks and we're back. Praise God. Thank you. I just wanted to say on, on, on behalf of my wife, myself, our kids, thank you for all the texts, all the prayers, all the meals, all the checking in. I looked out one day, and if you had COVID, you know what I mean. I, I looked out one afternoon, and I was like, is this COVID brain? Like, what am I seeing here? I see this uh, reddish uh, Ford excursion parked in front of our house, and I look out, and there's some very tan, buff man uh, unloading a lawnmower. And I was like, that looks like Marty West. Am I seeing things? And Marty came over and mowed our yard for us. Thank you, Marty. I told Christina, I was like, when I grow up, I want to be like Marty West. Marty is my hero. So uh, thank you guys for the so many ways that you have cared for us. It's awesome walking in this morning. I was just like, oh, I'm so happy to be with the people of God. And if you're worshiping with us online, we are honored that you are here as well. Uh, now, in August of 2020, about a year ago, we began a journey as a church, as Donnie referenced, of really growing in being for the city. We said, we want to be a people individually, and we want to be a people together that are for the city. Why? Because every single one of us, every single day, have family members, we have friends, we have coworkers, and we have neighbors who are waking up and they don't know that God is for them. They don't know that churches are for them. They think that maybe God is disinterested at best, maybe mad, church is irrelevant. But you and I, our lives have been impacted by Jesus. And we know that God is for people. We know that for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to people like you and me because he loves us and he loves the whole world. So we know that God is for people and we know that our church is for people. God has called us to love our neighbor as ourselves. But our, our friends don't, our coworkers don't, our neighbors don't. People in our lives that we love, they don't know that. And how are they going to know that God is for them if they don't know that you and I are for them? So he said this last year, with everything we could focus on, all the problems, all the challenges, everything we could have focused on, we said, hey, we're going to focus on showing God's love to people, on being a church for the city. And I want to give you a little update on that today of uh, uh, some things from the last year. We said that practically we didn't want that just to be a, a statement on a wall or kind of a cool idea but we want to be about it. We don't just want to talk about it. And what I love about our church is that we are a church of action. And we said one of the things that we want to do is we wanted to prayerfully build transformational environments for our city here on Sunday morning and online, in our neighborhoods and life groups, and for the next generation in our children's ministry. And so this last year, we've pressed in together in praying into and working toward building those transformational environments. And I just, I get the privilege of hearing stories. And I can't tell you how many stories I've heard over the last year of people coming in, particularly on a Sunday morning, and saying, I don't know everything that's going on here, but God is in this place. 
And God met me here. God met me here this morning. And I just wanna celebrate that with you. If you were with us for Baptism Sunday, I mean, there was not a dry eye in the house as people are encountering a God who is for them, right? And in our life groups, we really pressed into discipleship over this last year. Our life groups are discipleship communities spread throughout our city, focused on building community and following Jesus together. And I'm so proud of everyone who pressed into life group this year, the leaders, the discipleship group leaders, the members. I mean, there were so many reasons to check out, but you guys said, I'm going to lock in on this and we're going to walk together with Jesus. Then again, stories of, man, my discipleship group or my life group is what got me through COVID is what got me through this last year. And then we're getting kids ministry kicked off again and student ministry. If you are a parent of a student, fifth grade and above, be on the lookout because we believe in the next generation. And I love how we've pursued transformational environments together. We said that we wanted to be for the city by developing leaders for the city. That we believe that every follower of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is inside of you, you have something to offer the world around you, that you're a leader. And so whether that's you're developed as a leader in your home or in the church or at your school or in your neighborhood or in your workplace, we want to intentionally invest in one another. And as a church, we want to develop leaders to be people who would go into our city and demonstrate that God is for people. One of the big ways that we've done that is through Antioch Discipleship School. Uh, We went online all of last year. So every student that participated in the school, kudos to you for showing up, dialing in and saying, I want to grow in God this semester. We said the other way we wanted to develop leaders was to develop a discipleship growth pathway for every person in our church. And we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But those are two ways that we wanted to be about developing leaders. We said we wanted to bless our neighbors that we wanted to commit to being people that blessed our block through praying for people, listening to them, eating with them, serving them, and sharing our faith with them. And we've been growing and doing that, and we've been growing and meeting practical needs. I thought back over the last year of packing backpacks for Forerunner, of launching Unbound, of partnering to fix houses with the city of Richardson, of homeless care packages and pure desire groups in so many ways that you guys that we as a church have grown over the course this last year in showing God's love to people. And I wanna highlight that. I wanna encourage you. I want you to leave built up today. It has been a hard year, but in so many ways, we have stepped forward, empowered by the Holy Spirit to show God's love to people. And at the end of the day, that's what really matters. Now, COVID has presented some unique challenges to us as a church to us as individuals, to to families, and everyone involved, right? And one of the things that we've seen as a leadership team is that COVID has caused us to move slower than we anticipated and has caused us to reroute plans, I don't know, a thousand times. You probably have experienced the same thing in your life, in your work, in your school. And so in the spring, our overseer team and our staff, we came together and we said, hey, This idea of being for the city is really important. This is something that we believe that God has called us to be about. 
And we don't just want to, because we said we were gonna focus on this for a school year, we don't want to just move on if we haven't really let the heart of this get in us like we believe the Lord wants for us. So we said, hey, we are going to just stay focused on being for the city for the rest of this year, for the rest of 2021. We're gonna add a semester. We said we were gonna finish in July and kind of build from there. We don't ever wanna move on, but we wanna build, we wanna progress. But we just feel like we need to stay focused right here in being a people for the city and growing as a church for the city. And we're gonna stay locked into that through the rest of this year. So as a leader here, I wanted to give you an update so you would know kind of where we are and how things are going. We're gonna stay focused in on that. There are gonna be a number of ways to participate. If you've not been able to be a part yet or, or you're kind of coming back from the summer, there'll be a number of ways to participate. But we're gonna stay focused on being a people for the city. And then in January, when we have our time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, Lord willing, we're gonna talk about, okay, where do we see God calling us to build from here? Do we understand? So we're gonna keep focused on For the City for the fall, and then we'll talk about what are next steps for us in January. So back to the idea of developing a leadership pathway. I mean, not a leadership pathway, a discipleship pathway. Sorry, I still, uh, thoughts are a little jumbled. Uh, a discipleship growth pathway. I wanna talk to you about this today, and I wanna talk to you in a, it's a, a two-part teaching called Come, Grow, Here. So everyone say to your neighbor, come grow here. Perfect. Now, why are we talking about this discipleship growth pathway? One of my favorite verses in the Bible is John chapter 10. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus states his purpose, his desire, why he came. And this is what he says. He said, I came so that you can have real and eternal life, more and abundant life than you have ever dreamed of. Wow, Jesus, his purpose is that he desires for you and for me that we would experience abundant, rich, satisfying life. It's why he came. It's what Jesus wants for you and for me. And in this series, Come Grow Here, we're going to do two things. Number one, and that's what we're going to do today, is we're going to study the rich and abundant life found in Jesus. And then next week, next week, we're going to take practical steps as a community for every one of us to take a step forward into a fresh season of growth into that abundant life. So two parts, I wanna ask for perfect attendance over the next two weeks, okay? You're here today, I want you to come back, you need both parts, right? Today is going to be, well, when Jesus says abundant life, what, what does he mean, right? What is that abundant life like? And then next week will be an action Sunday where we're taking a step into a fresh season of growth in Christ. Now, I want you to think for a moment about this idea of abundant life. We all, from the time that we're young, have a vision or a desire for a rich life, a full life, a good life, living your best life. I texted my life group and I asked them, I said, hey, when you were younger, what were some things that you dreamed about that would be like, man, this would be my best life? And I wanna tell you some of the answers. 
One person responded, and they were like, man, the full and rich life for me would be to be a college cheerleader who knows how to write in cursive and could stay up as late as they wanted. That was the good life. Another person in our life group said, oh, I wanted to be a lawyer and drive a green Mustang GT, that that was the pinnacle of life. Another person said they wanted to be a criminal psychologist for the FBI. Another person said they wanted to be a dolphin trainer, that their best life was training dolphins. Uh, Another person said they wanted to be a detective like those on Law and Order, myself. I know it's a little embarrassing, but what I wanted to be, I thought the good life was if I could be 6'5", I could play Major League Baseball and be in the Hall of Fame. And I was certain if that was my life, it was going to be complete and full. Um, Another person said they wanted to be an architect and a dad, and then that changed to wanting to be a barista and own their own coffee shop. Another person said they were excited about getting married and getting to be a dad, and they didn't really know what they wanted to do, but they knew they wanted to make a lot of money, because if they made a lot of money, that would solve all of their problems. Lastly, my bride, uh, she wanted to be an Olympic figure skater on the years where it was the Winter Olympics, and then in her off time on the years when it was the Summer Olympics, she wanted to be an Olympic gymnast. So the rare you know, figure skater to gymnast combo. And with her extra time beyond that, uh, she wanted to be a hairstylist. So, you know, a lot of Olympic gymnasts slash figure skaters who do hair. And then she was going to be a missionary in the midst of all that too. That was the good life. Now, I bet you too had a vision of man, that life that would just be complete. So I want to stop here for just a moment. I want you to think about that because this is actually really important. And what I want you to know is sometimes our our vision for what will make a complete life, what will make a good life, it changes. Things don't work out the way that we wanted them to, that they don't measure up. But but underneath that, that desire that's in all of us for a good life, for a rich life, for an abundant life, that's a holy desire. That's a God-birthed desire. That's something that God has put in you. The outworking, maybe we have to work on that, but that longing for life as it's meant to be lived, that is a holy thing. Now, to just for some humor this morning, what I want for you to do is take just a moment, and I want you to think about when you were uh, younger. So if you're 12, when you were six, if you're 20, when you were 14, if you, so on and so forth, when you were younger, what was that one thing for you? What was your version of a 6'5 Major League Baseball player or a figure skater, gymnast, hairstylist, missionary combo or a dolphin trainer? What was that one thing for you? And I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you just to say real quick what that thing was that was this is my best life. Go for it.
All right, so hopefully you had yourself a little laugh. Uh, you can pick that up as a conversation after the service. But we all have these dreams, right? And that desire is holy. But another thing that we learn as we get older and we experience more of life is that actually finding that good life, finding the thing that makes for a rich life, finding the thing that makes for an abundant life is really elusive and oftentimes deceptive. We think, man, this is what that good life would be. This is what a full life would be. And then we either get it and we realize, well, it wasn't that big a deal for me to learn to write in cursive, you know, or, or we achieve, like we, we don't achieve the thing. And I'm like, I'm not a major league baseball player who's six, five in the hall of fame. And, and we can be crushed by that. It's not just little dreams like that. I was reading about this week, John Rockefeller, who made billions of dollars in the oil industry, very successful businessmen by financial standards. And after he had achieved much of his wealth, someone asked him, he said, hey, Mr. Rockefeller, you're a wise person. How, how much money is enough? And this billionaire, you know what his response was? Just one more dollar, one more dollar, one more dollar, right? He had probably everything he had dreamed of, but he knew that it just was like, man, there's just something more beyond that. Kobe Bryant, the late, great Kobe Bryant. By the time he was 24, he already had millions of dollars, a beautiful wife, a beachfront mansion, and was interviewed in Newsweek. And as a 24-year-old with all those things that might have been on your list and mine of this is the good life, he said, you know, I actually don't believe in happiness. I actually don't believe in happiness. He had everything that you could imagine or would say, man, this is a good life. And he's like, I, I just am not happy. Quarterback Tom Brady after winning multiple Super Bowl victories, marrying the world's top supermodel, achieving an annual household income, this was a few years ago, of $76 million per year. In an interview, he said, you know, this can't be all that there is. There has to be something more. Why do I tell you those stories? Because in so many ways we can relate, right? We want that good life. But so often, either we can't get the thing that we thought would make us complete, or we get it and it's like, gosh, I don't know. There just seems like I'm missing something. And it's into this desire for a good life and the deceptiveness of where do you actually find that, that Jesus enters into your story and mine. And as he comes near, he says the quote that, that we read earlier from John 10, 10. And I want to read it in a couple of different versions with you because I want to let this marinate on our souls this morning. I want to let this, I want to let Jesus through his words speak to each one of us. John 10, 10 in the NIV, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In the Amplified Version, the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. When he says thief, he's talking about the devil. But he said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Do you know that Jesus wants you to have and enjoy life? to fill your life with good stuff till it overflows. 
John 10, 10 in the NLT, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Wow. Now, it makes sense to me that God, the author of life, the creator of all, that he would know what would make for a good life. That makes sense to me. But what is a blow away to me, and I don't want you to miss this, is that Jesus is not sitting on some remote mountain with some hidden list saying, well, you know, if they kind of achieve all these things and make their way up this mountain, yeah, they might come to what is a good life. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying here, this is the reason I've come. God is saying, I put skin on and come because I want you to have a good life. I want you to have an abundant life. I want you to have a rich and full and satisfying life. I don't want this to be a mystery. I don't want it to be, well, maybe you'll get there. I have come and I want this for you. He's come and he said, I want abundant life for you and 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 for the whole world. Don't believe that Jesus has just kind of left it up to if you can figure it out, if you're one of the, the few that figures it out. No, he came and he's come for you and he's come for me and I don't want to ever let that grow old. God put skin on and entered into our story. The author stepped into the story so that you and I and everyone on the whole planet could have rich, abundant, and satisfying life. And he's not sitting back hoping that you make it. He is pursuing you. He has brought you here today because I'm speaking right now, but I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak through these words to you because God wants you to have abundant life. He wants you to have abundant life, good life, full life, rich life, more than you want it. He's more passionate about it than you are. He's more committed than you are. This is what he wants for you. Now, I'm preaching today. I don't know if you guys are receiving today, but I want you to receive this. Jesus wants for you and for me to have a rich, full, and abundant life, full stop. Let that sink in. Let that be the marinade that you put on the barbecue of your heart. Let it flavor everything within it. Last night I made hamburgers and I cut up bacon and put them in there because I wanted that bacon flavor all through it. Right? Let this flavor your week that Jesus wants for you and for me and for our world to have a rich and abundant life. Now the second thing that you need to see and few understand this, is that what Jesus says makes for a rich and abundant life is very different than what our generation tells us makes for a rich and abundant life. They're very different things. So sometimes people crash when they think when Jesus says rich and abundant life, that what he means is, I want to give you the things the world says make for a rich and abundant life. And so you get bitter with God because he's actually not giving these things out because they actually don't make for a rich and abundant life, no matter how much we want them to. He knows the things that actually make for life. 
And those are the places that he wants to lead you. That's the life that he wants to grow into you. Unless any one of us be deceived and kind of, well, I had these expectations and he didn't meet those. And so I guess it's not. No, no, no. I want you to see in his words, on his terms, hey, this is where the abundant life really is. So let's look through there. Let's go through a few of these. I honestly, I could talk about this for the next two weeks, 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, because this is so amazing. I'm so passionate. I, 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 I'm like, how do I distill this into the time that we have together this morning? So this is by no means an exhaustive list, but here are a few things. And my hope is to awaken an appetite in you to say, God, I, I, I want what you have for me. So what is a rich and satisfying life according to Jesus? First characteristic it is, it is a, it's a life of knowing God. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down, okay, here's what Jesus says makes for a rich and satisfying life. The author of life saying, hey, here is the secret. It's a life of knowing God. John 17, three, Jesus speaking. And he says this, he says, now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Hone in on that word eternal. When you and I use the word eternal, we think in the sense of length of time. It lasts a long time. It extends hour after hour after hour after hour. When Jesus uses the word eternal, it has that, but there's another angle to it that he's speaking about. Eternal is not about uh, quantity of time, quantity of life, but it's about quality of life. I'll say that again. When Jesus says eternal life, he's not simply referencing quantity of year after year after year after year, but he's referencing quality of life. It's the life that God has within himself. And it's this abundant, rich life that the author of life says is found in knowing him. That the abundant life that you and I have longed for, that we've dreamed about, that we've looked in a thousand places for, Jesus says that abundant, eternal life is found right in my eyes, right in my face. It's found in knowing me. It's found in knowing me. Now, if you are here today and you're not a Christian, you're exploring faith, maybe you grew up in church and you're trying to figure out what you believe about God, or maybe you've never been in a church before. What I want you to know about Jesus is he's not a philosophy to believe in. He's not a political party to subscribe to. He is a God who can be known. I didn't know that. You might not know that. We're not talking about believing just some abstract truths. We're talking about that Jesus has come to give you abundant life, and that starts with knowing him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. And if you are a believer, this is one of those phrases, right? This is one of those places where if you know, you know. If you've met Jesus, you read this, and you're like, I know this. I know that abundant life is found in knowing him, right? And if you don't know, our hope is that now you know so that you can meet Jesus and you can know him because that's where the abundant life starts. It starts in his face. It starts in knowing him. 
If you're a believer, man, there's so many things over this last year that have distracted us, that have discouraged us, that have disillusioned us. But I want to bring you back to the simplicity today of the joy that you and I have in getting to know Jesus, the all surpassing joy of knowing him. That's our portion. That's what God has for us. Don't let that become dusty. Don't let that become a side item. Don't let that become, you know, yeah, back then. I, no, no, no. This year, this fall, come what may, God wants you and me to know him and behold him and to find our life in his face and in relationship with him. Listen, the good life doesn't start with a soulmate. No matter how many movies play that same theme, no matter how many songs tell that same thing, it doesn't start there. The good life doesn't start in stacks of cash. It doesn't start in an awesome job. It doesn't start in a 40-inch vertical. It is found in the face of Jesus. And it's found in knowing him. He is not a means to an end. It's not like, well, I'm going to know God so I can get these other things. No, 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 no. He is the great end. Right? He is the treasure. He's not the slot machine to get treasure. He is the treasure. And I want to remind you of that this morning. I want you to let that sink in this morning. That God... Jesus has come to give you abundant life, and it starts in knowing him. Second feature of abundant life is that it's a life of character. That with Jesus, life is not necessarily about the things you achieve. When we talk about abundant life, our world tells us it's found in you know, building out your resume. Jesus says it's found in who you become the type of person you become. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, Jesus says it's a life of character, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The work of the Spirit, the work of Jesus in our life is to build a life of character. Sparrow, can you bring me my little uh, ice cream maker? Thank you. Now, one of the great things that I remember as a kid about summer is homemade ice cream. Now, when you think about ice cream, I don't know a person that doesn't really like ice cream. And I know we're in Texas. And so we've got Bluebell on the list of like greatest ice creams. And then maybe, you know, you've got a step up. I know I'll make some people mad, but like an Andes or a Sweet Firefly or for some of you tongue in cheek, like, like a little custom, custom ice cream deal, Right. But I want to take you to the pinnacle of ice cream experience. If you've never had it, it's homemade ice cream. Now, my dad would make this. And to make homemade ice cream, you use, you got this little device. When he made it, it was like a handheld mixer. Now we, now we got to, you know, plug it in and go. But you take your little canister and you're putting in like heavy cream. You're putting in half and half. You're putting in lots of sugar. You're putting in candy. If you're lactose intolerant, I'm sorry. I don't know how to make this dairy-free. Uh, but, but you're putting all that stuff in there, right? And then you turn it on, and it blends, and you've got ice and rock salt around it, and it blends for a while. And then what comes out is magic. It's like heaven. Homemade ice cream. Remember, my dad would make homemade Butterfinger ice cream. Oh, yeah. Wow. So uh, a, a year or two ago, I asked for uh, an ice cream maker for Father's Day. Maybe like $20 or $30 on Amazon. 
And I, and I got this, right? So I go back and we're, we're getting all stuff. And man, homemade ice cream is amazing. It takes a lot of time. It's actually a lot of work. But what comes out of it, legendary. If you've never had homemade ice cream, go watch a YouTube video, buy from Amazon, try it out. You'll thank me later, right? But I was thinking about this this week and I was thinking about this is like a life of character. It takes time. It's not quick or convenient. But when you meet someone with depth of character, it's like otherworldly. Our son, our, our, third, or our second son, Jasper, has had a couple eye surgeries this year. And he's six, and uh, at the time of his first surgery, he was five, and we're, we're you know, going to the surgery center. It's a little overwhelming to think about them putting you know, your, your, your little kid under for the surgery, eye problems, all those things. And so we're emotional. And we get to the surgery center, and it's five in the morning, and they're getting him ready, and, and this is just a, a tender moment for, for me and my wife and her son. And the anesthesiologist came over. And this woman, uh, it's five in the morning. She does this every day. Like, I'm sure this is be get old after a while. But she stopped and took time, and she could tell we were nervous. And she spoke to us with peace. She prayed over him. She looked at us with compassion and said, I'm gonna take care of your son. It's gonna be okay. And she took him back. And my wife and I, we were just uh, blown away by the way she interacted with us. And Jasper had the surgery. It, you know, it did the trick. Like, he, he, he's getting better. And it was because of this woman who had spent a lifetime, she was a believer, had spent a lifetime of developing character that allowed her in someone else's moment of need, not just to go through the motions, not just to show up for a job, right? But to be this incredible blessing, this incredible gift, to be the amazingness that is homemade ice cream, but to be it in a person, in someone else's time of need. And for us as people to really grow into the rich life that's found in Jesus, it's not so much about what we do, what's on your resume when you die. It's about the type of person you become. That you have become a person marked by joy. That you have become a person marked by peace. That you have become a person marked by love and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And maybe you're not an anesthesiologist. Maybe you're something completely different. But wherever God has you, that you could be that type of person right there to the world around you. That's a rich life. That's a full life. That's an abundant life, becoming that type of person. And what Jesus wants for you is to have a life of knowing him. And the rich and full life found in him comes through developing character. And this is the second part of this that I wanna make sure that you hear. When you have COVID, one of the things you lose is your sense of taste, your sense of smell, so you can't appreciate good things. When we don't have character, when we haven't developed character, we can't appreciate good things in life. Our sense of appreciation of the good life is not snap and it just happens. You don't wake up one day and all your circumstances are perfect. But it's as we develop character, 
as we develop a capacity for love, as we develop a capacity for joy, as we develop a capacity for peace, all those things, we begin to become the type of people that have our taste buds restored, so to speak. Our sense of smell restored from the destructive power of sin, that we can actually appreciate that which is good and that which leads to life. So it's a life of knowing God. It's a life of character. It's a life of community. Ephesians 2, 19, Jesus at work in people's lives. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. For so many of us, when we look at the good life and we think about it, we know it has to do with relationships. That's because God has wired us that way. And Jesus has come and what he does in our life is not lead us away from people. Sometimes he does from toxic people, but he leads us into community. He leads us into committed relationships. He leads us into loyal relationships with the people of God. And he makes us a new humanity. He makes us a new kind of community for the world around us. So the rich and satisfying life, according to Jesus, is a life of knowing him. It's a life of character. It's a life of community. I could go on and on. What I want to do as we, uh, as we close, though, I have about six more of these things. We just don't have time for them. But hopefully it whet your appetite today. And what I want to do as we close is I just want to take you to that place of being a child again. In your heart of thinking about that good, full, and rich life that Jesus has for us. And in that place, as the worship team leads us in response, I want you to let Jesus speak to you there and speak to you about the good life that he has for you. Maybe you've been discouraged this year. Maybe you've been depressed. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've been disillusioned. In this moment that we have together, before we head into our weeks, let's pause all of the distraction and let's let Jesus who has come for us speak to us about the good life that he has. I wanna invite you to stand. As the worship team leads us in song, if you are on our prayer and prophetic team, if you're a staff member or on the overseer team, I'd love to ask you to come forward. And as we're talking about abundant life, there's some specific people that I want us to pray for today and believe the Lord wants to minister to. If you're here today and you realize that your sense of hope about the future the sense of that good life even being possible, if that has waned, if you're here and you're just like, I am kind of on my last breath. My hope is low right now. We wanna pray that the Lord would minister to you and breathe hope into you. Specifically, if you've been disappointed about relationships this year, you coming in today and you're just low relationally, believe that the Lord wants to speak to you there and wants to encourage you. So if you're low on hope, if you're relationally discouraged, and number three, if you don't know Jesus, if when we start talking about knowing God, you're like, I know about him maybe, I don't know Jesus. I wanna invite you to come forward and one of our team would love to pray with you and help you meet him, let you meet Jesus this morning. So I'm gonna pray and then I wanna encourage us to respond. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you have come 
that we may have abundant life, a life marked by knowing you, of character, of community, of purpose, of identity, of sacrifice, Lord, that you have come for us and you want to lead us into the things that make for a rich and full life. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would minister to every person here today, that you would speak, you would encourage, you would build up, Lord, and you would lead us into that abundant life that you have for us. In Jesus' name.